So I took some tears off my eyes and I, and I put it on his forehead. Listening to Let Your Voice Be Heard. It's a logical fallacy, and I, I know that, but, you know, as always, and maybe the rest of the panel can tell you, I play a bit of the uh, devil's advocate because I am the lone black Republican up here. He just made a fool out of himself. I mean, you can look at Dennis Rodman and think he's making a fool out of himself. You know Barack Obama, what he was like, anti-war, government... Uh, the... Boy, that escalated quickly. I gotta jump into a rally to save a hospital here in Brooklyn in just a minute. I stopped working on my dissertation the second my grandmother died. I am a blazing liberal. Who can uh-huh. have a Republican-leaning ideology to give me enough beers? No, I got to get you that Illuminati thesaurus. Once you get that, you're going to be able to speak the same language I can speak. Now, a white person with a criminal record is more likely to get a job than a black person without one. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. The point of financial stability and economic justice is that you're free from confines of society and you have more freedom and to make your own choices. Just in general, people who have money tend to have more access to resources to be able to use in their defense versus people that don't have money. So you see a lot of, you know, lower, and and that's really a class issue, and and race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Open the streets and watch our beliefs And when they carve my name inside the concrete I pray it forever Good morning and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard Right here on WHCR 90.3 FM The Voice of Harlem Happy Sunday everyone Yeah, it's so happy Stanley's not here <laughs> Right, so if you're watching via Ustream, you'll see I'm sitting in the engineer seat because Stanley Fritz is not here. I think he's in Albany. He's a loser. I don't know. It's like, where's Stanley again? It's like Waldo. Come like, on, you know he him. would be saying these things about you, Selena, if yeah, you he weren't here, so <laughs> that's why I have to do this. No, you're like, um, I'm being all I kind. do love you, Stanley. <laughs> But sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> right. you know, when you're not hating on Tim Kaine, but right. we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. So um, welcome to the show, guys. My name is Selena Hill. As you guys know, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at S. No, at Miss Selena Hill. And I spell that with an MS, of course. And I'm very happy to be here. We have a very special guest in the studio with us because Stanley's not here. So uh, we don't need you, Stanley. We have a very special guest. His name is Chad R. McDonald. He has been on the show twice. Before, he is officially a friend of Let Your Voice Be Heard because this is your third time. Welcome back, Chad. I feel like I should get a medal or something. <laughs> we should. We should award you <laughs> the with. Golden yeah, three. you got a medal. It's called you're here. Yeah. <laughs> golden sombrero. I don't know. Something. <laughs> right. And of course, Alyssa Fuchs is here, our resident legal scholar. Morning, morning. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs with an I. That's I-L-Y-S-S-A. Or you can uh, hit up the fan page at facebook.com slash politically preposterous. And on Twitter, it's at Alyssa Fuchs or at poll, P-O-L, preposterous. I'll just say this. Sitting in front of the Ustream is extremely distracting. Like, I can't. I'm not even looking at you, Alyssa. I'm, like, just staring at us. And the Ustream, like, I can't even look at You're there. so vain. You're they so probably we, think we this song beautiful. is we're about you. Oh, wait, wait. We're not doing Carly Simon this morning? Sorry. <laughs> not not this morning. Oh, and, of course, we have our favorite intern here, Monty, who is on our Twitter feed, Facebook, and Instagram. So you should definitely tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. You can follow us at Let Your Voice Be Heard, Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard, and Instagram at BeHeard Radio. So... All that being said, we have such a great show lined up. 
We're starting off, of course, recapping the Republican National Convention. It was crazy. And the headline that we actually picked out for this top of this segment, we can't actually say on air, but it was crazy, right? So we're going to talk about the highs, the lows, the ups the downs the plagiarism the booing the donald trump i mean it's just so much to talk about right oh my god we, there is so much to talk about and i didn't even watch it everything that i know i swear no i i watched a lot of clips i read a lot about it monty asked me one day you know like why am i very articulate and i told him read i read a lot and that's the thing it's like i don't want to sit there and watch hours and hours of crazy like it's gonna make me go crazy and then i'm gonna need like six clonopin and like uh, and like a drink just to get through the day so i was like i'm not dealing with that anxiety i'm just gonna read about what happens didn't you have an anxiety attack watching donald trump before yeah i had an i had a panic attack during like the second republican debate and then i was like nope not doing this i don't even know if i'm gonna be able to watch the hillary trump debate because every time i hear that man open his mouth i get a panic attack (laughs) my wife was screaming at the television screaming at the television and i could barely hear her because i was screaming at the television <laughs> it like we both almost got ptsd and what? it's just it was just so it was painful to mm. watch and the whole time like like they were they were talking about all the awful things that are going on in the country that they caused and mm. it was just horrible and like Uh, A friend of mine made this observation. What would the Republicans have said if uh, the Democrats conducted their convention this way? Their uh, prospective first lady plagiarized the speech from a previous first lady of the opposite party. Uh, they had a bunch of B-list soap opera stars. I know we're going to get into more of this. And after, then, and then the, the prospective candidate like had five children speak from three different women. <laughs> what do you think the GOP would have said but about they, that? They love family uh, values. I know we're yeah. going to get into more of this after the break, but yeah. I will Sorry. say at least nobody <laughs> spoke to a chair this time. Uh, uh, this time. Well, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> oh, wait, it's over. Anyways. Anyways, right. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to start the show talking about the RNC recap. And of course, you can tweet us if you want to let your voice be heard on that subject at, at beheard underscore radio. And then later on in the show, we're going to be following a political theme talking about who is the VP pick. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, she finally picked her VP, Tim Kinane, and came, sorry. And, I mean, it came as a surprise for some. Other people were just really, really upset, especially those on the left, especially Stanley. Well, I'm I, would, I wouldn't say... It depends where you are on the right, left spectrum. The farther, the yeah. farther you are, the if you're like a Bernie or bust, this just made it even worse. But to I have colleagues who are just furious about this. Just yeah. furious. And uh, I've attempted to speak to them about why Kane was picked. Right. And and uh, because they're and they're saying things like, Well, Hillary needed to throw progressives a bone. Mm. Like, well, she's going to. She's not just gonna throw you a bone. You you're gonna have a, a place at the table. But we'll get into that. Yeah, well we're definitely gonna get into that. We'll go in depth speaking about that. Uh, lastly, in the oh, we have the news roundup, of course, and then lastly in the show, Alyssa will be giving us a quickie on the voter ID laws that were overturned in three states. So we're saying, is this a victory for voters? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've had some good uh, out. I mean, at least from my perception, these things are really good. We've had three laws. Um, in three states, the strictest being in Texas, but also in Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, they were all different varieties of voter ID laws. And 
all three of them have now been struck down. And I'm going to get into um, why they each law was struck down in each state because they were struck down for similar reasons, but sort of uh, different reasons as well. Um, and I'll also tell you how that might affect the election in November and affect these people's ability to vote definitely so we'll definitely be looking forward to that and of course if you want to call in you are more than welcome to do so you can call us up at 212-650-6903 we definitely want to let your voice be heard on any and every of these topics and you know fyi will also be talking about the shooting of charles kinsey um you know thank god he survived <laughs> but there's a lot to talk about because i was extremely upset when i saw how he was shot down and i'm sure you guys already saw that viral video as well so again guys this is let your voice be heard we're gonna go on a quick break but don't go anywhere we'll be right back here on whcr and we oh my are God. back is that a rihanna song where you can actually understand the words i don't know i was like hold on is that Rihanna actually enunciating? Because Alyssa loves to do her impression of no, Rihanna. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. To me, that's what she's saying. And I was like, you know what? I'll just rock with it. If we don't want to use words in, in songs anymore, I'm totally cool with it. You know, it. if we Rihanna. just don't want to you, yeah, use words in life. Actually, uh, you know, interestingly <laughs> enough, I, kn- I know we're going to get into talking about the Republicans, but there was an article the other day in the New York Times about how punctuation is largely unnecessary in our modern world because mm-hmm. of technology. Uh, we can talk about that off the air, but I thought that was quite interesting could you imagine no more periods no more no, question marks no i'm I a mean, grammar you, freak you no. just like they, the idea was just like if somebody says what color are you wearing it doesn't need a question mark you know that's a question right yeah yeah um, well i mean i moderate so many facebook pages and groups right now that uh <laughs> so many people don't use punctuation anyway so why not I guess. it's hard for me to understand people who don't use punctuation like i'll say something like i'm here and then people be like what time are you getting there and i'm like what like i use the period but they don't use punctuation so they can't understand when I'm using it. Well, you know who else doesn't know how to use punctuation? Donald Trump. And he's <laughs> running for president. <laughs> he does. doesn't know how to do a lot of things. He yeah. has like the grammar of a third grader. They've been <laughs> they've done some studies on this. Oh wow. Yeah. That is crazy. So, um, yes, we are talking about the Republican National Convention. Yes, it was weird. Yes, it was wacky. Yes, it was bizarre. And yes, it was apocalyptic. What else were we expecting from Republicans? So, during the convention, Hillary Clinton was linked to Lucifer. Melania Trump co-opted Michelle Obama's speech from 2008 at the DNC, by the way. Rudy Giuliani just kept <laughs> yelling at everyone. But did then I thought about it. I was like, he's God. a New Yorker. Like, I yell 24-7. So can did I you hear him? what John Stewart said about him on Colbert? He said something about, like, a Red Bull enema. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, somebody gave Rudy Giuliani a Red Bull enema. Yes. By the way, if you haven't seen that clip, John Stewart did his old John Stewart on, oh, yes. Steve, I on saw Stephen it. Colbert, and it was great. Yeah. It was awesome. Like, he came up from, like, under the desk, and he was like, I'm here. They and put a tie on him. Yeah. It put, like, and he just went into full John Stewart mode. I was like, yes, he's I need back. John Stewart to come back. Yeah. I think he's, like, happy in retirement and, like, living under a rock or wherever he is. I believe so, but I think it's also why uh, Donald Trump's been so 
successful because uh, John Stewart has been his foil for years. And the minute John Stewart stepped down and Trump came aboard, all of a sudden there was no one getting in his face daily every night, just the, like the way that John Stewart could. It was rumored that there may be a HBO John Stewart show coming yeah. back. Oh on, yes, um, we need that. But not. It's not going to be like an every night. It would be like sort of like John Oliver. Yeah. That's once a week. But that would still be great. I'd yeah, be very happy. Better than nothing. So you know, just to get back to the Republican National Convention, the overall theme was we aren't safe. The election of Hillary Clinton in the White House would trigger the apocalypse. And the only thing that will save us is not Jesus, it's Donald Trump. And that was pretty much what you heard for the last four days. The first the first night's theme was make America safe again. But from the <laughs> rhetoric that uh, came out of them, what they actually meant was make America safe from brown people. Again. I was just about to say. Just I mean, we'll going speak. crazy. They were like, make America the 1955 yeah, again. drag it back to the dark ages before civil rights and... <laughs> And uh, and that women could vote. I mean, you know, that's Horrible. where they want to go. Well, speaking of day one, I actually wanted to start there. Again, that's when Rudy Giuliani spent time screaming at us. He used the words fear, safe, and terror a total of 25 times. Mm -hmm. This is also the day that Melania Trump stole the show by literally stealing Michelle Obama's speech. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what were you what were your highs and your lows? I was very happy that Melania Trump stole the show. <laughs> I was really happy after all this anti-immigrant rhetoric and after all this, we're the real America and we're going to take America back. Mm. Donald Trump's third immigrant family values <laughs> wife got up and gave the most beautiful moments of the entire RNC as far as I'm concerned by basically just repeating what Michelle Obama said. And there was a meme that I saw which really summed it up, one of those two panel jobs. And uh, it the, the, the point of it was is that uh, uh, Melania talked about in her speech about what a great man she was married to. She was really talking about Barack Obama. <laughs> 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 I, I was. I said the, the memes were great. They I, were. Okay, yeah. so the memes were so good. But so about much. like the thing, some people are saying like, "Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal." Why? Like, yeah, no. There's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, it's you know, it's nothing." Like, I, I mean, and this is like, I'll open up this question for everybody, and obviously our listeners, which is. Like to me, I take plagiarism very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's 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 like you can get expelled from college yes. for committing plagiarism. Like this is not just uh, it, 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 like it's not just her plagiarism. It's like this is somebody like be it somebody on his staff that didn't double check this because so here this is the story. They had a bunch of staffers write a speech. They gave it to Melania Trump. She then was supposed to give them back some corrections based on what she wanted to say. She apparently held on to the speech for three weeks and decided to, like, add in her own stuff into it. So that also discounts this fact that other conservatives are saying that, like, oh, some registered de Democrat who's a speechwriter tried to sabotage her. Well, they're right that this woman, McElver, is a registered Democrat and used to be, be you know, used to be pretty liberal and now works for Donald Trump. But according to Hirsch, the, that's the speech that was given was not the speech that she sent. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like the tip of the iceberg, right? That said she wrote it. Right. But, like, to me, this is just like the tip of the iceberg of how a Donald, Donald Trump presidency would be, mm -hmm. right? You have an organization that's completely bare fit or whatever. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. They can't get their stuff together. Then, like, they can't get their stuff together to the point where she gives a speech that isn't even her own speech. Then they try and play it off like it's not a big deal. Then they make excuses. Right. Um, 
They blamed Hillary and at then, one point. Right, right. You know, and then it's like, <laughs> I just like see if where they that can't, e- this is my point. It's like, if they can't even get this right, how is this guy going to have the nuclear codes if he gets exactly elected right. president? They well, can't like, even run a decent convention. What's the administration going to be like? I mean, they couldn't even get the balloon drop right. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it was really telling. And so Meredith McIver, that's the speech writer that uh, Alyssa was just speaking about. She did release a statement and she said, and I quote, over the phone, she, meaning Melania, read me some passages from Miss Obama's speech as examples. I wrote them down and later included the included some of the phrasing in the draft that ultimately became the final speech. Now the thing is that's horrible like co-opting someone else's speech, not taking, you know, a full accountability and responsibility for it at first is also made it worse, but I I also think that like when, when it, like you said, when it comes to uh, a reflection of who they are as people and how they function, it's just so telling. I mean, what other evidence do you need that he's not a politician? He's you know he's he's not a good business person. Uh, leadership skills are definitely questionable. And now look at how they operate. He's just dysfunctional, and his right. whole organization—that was the word I was looking for before. He's dysfunctional. His whole organization is dysfunctional, and you know you can say, "Oh, it's no big thing," but like at the end of the day, it is a big thing because this is something that should have been taken care of. And if you can't even take care of making sure that your wife doesn't plagiarize somebody else's speech, then how can you deal with the bigger issues that are going to be facing America? That said. That said, it's perfectly fine to take bits and pieces from somebody else's speech as long as you give them credit. Yes. You know, people do it all the time. Uh, th- th- it's so easy. You can say something like, Michelle Obama once said, my word is my bond. And, you know, you can, like, and obviously she wasn't going to say that because this is a Republican speech. But the point is, like, if you're going to use somebody else's speech, she could have even changed it. And she could have said, listen, you know, I don't agree with Michelle Obama on many things. I don't. You know, I'm, you know, I, I don't agree with Barack Obama on many things. However, when Michelle gave this speech back in 2008, she said some things that I think we could all agree exactly. with. And that would have been the easiest way for Melania to deal with it. But she didn't even do that. And I think that's well, the problem, they right? They couldn't have because Republican heads would have exploded right. if, if she had done that. And that's also why what happened with Melania and the Donald Trump uh, campaign and the whole mess that they are is dovetailing so well with who the Republicans actually are at their core. They don't take responsibility for their own mistakes. They rip off other people's ideas that are, if they're good, and pass them off as their own, and then they just try to pile up more crap on top of that to cover up the mistake they I made mean, in the first place. And then they and then they say it was never idea their, exactly. their idea in the first place. Real quick example, and then we can move on, which is Romney Care was originally Hillary mm-hmm. Care, right? Mm-hmm. Or yep. a sort of Hillary Care. Mm-hmm. So Hillary had this great idea, right, when she was, you know, back way back when. It became Hillary Care. It never went through. Romney sort of co-opted it and changed it. It became Romney Care. Everybody loved it. Everybody praised Romney mm-hmm. as like it being the best thing ever. And then Romney care was taken by Obama and you know turned into Obamacare into the ACA, and yeah. into the Affordable Care Act and now all of a sudden Republicans were like oh my god hair on fire like we're going to French socialism exactly. and, and we're like looking at them like wait but like this was a Republican I- this was a right. liberal idea that Republicans co-opted because it was a market based solution and now that liberals have co-opted it again that now you guys are like hair right. on fire what else do you but, expect from a party that endorses right. and, is, and is endorsed by Josh Duggar the child oh goodness <laughs> I mean they have popped 
hypocrisy. There's your family values right there. Right. No, the hypocrisy is just disgusting, right? So that was just day one. And again, guys, if you want to call in to let your voice be heard as we recap the RNC convention, you can call us up at 212-650-6903. Okay, so that was Monday night. Then on Tuesday night, that's (laughs) when uh, Donald Trump officially (laughs) clinched the presidential nomination. He got uh, just under 500 more of the 1,237 delegates that he required. Uh, We all know that Indiana Governor Mike Pence also won the official uh, vice presidential nomination. That's also the day that Chris Christie spoke and pretty much put Hillary Clinton on trial. And I just want to I just want to add, like, even though he kept taking shots at her integrity and like her her moral ethic and compass. I mean, exactly. So that's what so that's how Hillary Clinton's campaign responded. They were like, if you want if Chris Christie thinks he can tell me or anyone about ethics, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> Boom. Boom. I got a bridge to shut down for you. Boom. But you, you know, like, okay, first, so there's the roll call vote. There's clearly a floor, like a sort of a floor revolt of people that don't want Donald Trump to be president. So mm-hmm. they're supposed to be projecting unity. Number two, yes, at conventions, you do sort of campaign and you bash the other side a little bit. But really, conventions are supposed to be about putting on what your ideas are. Yes. I got to say, in three days, I did not hear any ideas, no, any actual just... ideas, except for everybody gets a gun. <laughs> um, that's worked out so well. <laughs> that's the, I think that's the only idea I actually heard in three days. Yeah. Everybody gets a gun. Other than that, I heard no substantive ideas on how to deal. They say, oh, scary terrorism. But I heard no idea about how we're dealing. Oh, wait, I heard bomb brown people. Right. There was bomb brown people. There was everybody gets a gun, but and not, but not brown people. Satan. Because we, brown people don't have a Second <laughs> Amendment right. And, and, I, and, and law and order, which is essentially shoot the brown people right. when they have the gun, even if it's legal. Well, speaking <laughs> to exactly what you're talking about, the second night of the Republican convention, it was supposed supposed to be make America work again. It was supposed to be about economic policies and what they're going to do to improve the economy, which has been improving steadily already under Obama. And uh, the Republicans have been proven to, you know, destroy it every time they're in office. But hey, let's let's forget about that part. No. But so instead of discussing the economic policies that they were going to bring forward, instead they, like Donald Trump Jr., gloated about how he and his family benefited from these rules. And all I could think was here they are saying that we've benefited so much from the way the economy is rigged. But, you know... Yeah, that should change. Oh, sure. You're going to change it, are you, Donald? Oh, yeah, right. right. Um, so on that note, we actually have a caller on the line. We have Ms. Deborah who would like to let her voice be heard about the RNC convention. Good morning, Ms. Deborah. Hi. How you doing? You know, every time I, I listen to um, Chris Christie, I swear in my head now, it's like Mr. Richgate, Mr. Richgate, Mr. Richgate. I believe that this man is dangerous because... There's more to Bridgegate than meets the eye, and as long as he they do, as long as he does what they tell him to do, they're, they're going to give him a post. And God help all of us. I really believe that. And number two, I listen to a lot of radio, so I heard people say after the speech that Donald Trump Jr. made, "Oh, he's just so brilliant," and you know there's a place in, in politics for this man. And I'm like to myself. No, you didn't say that. You did not say that. And we know that he knows how to read a blueprint, and so he knows how to build. And and, and I'm saying none of this makes sense. 
none of this makes sense. You're not focusing on the person who's running for office, which is his father. So on, on radio, it seems like there were all of these different components that they were trying to build Donald Trump with other than himself. So, you know, the daughter made, all, the, both daughters made sense. They were both brilliant. The son was brilliant. And then they would say things like, well, you know, how is Donald Trump going to, you know, how is he going to do after, you know, the way his son made this great speech? I mean, like, you know, what's Donald Trump going to do? Well, we all saw what Donald Trump did. Thank you, Ms. Deborah. I mean, you're right. I think that Chris Christie is extremely dangerous. Um, you know, thank God he was not chosen to be the VP pick, so we don't know where he's going to end up now. Um, yeah, uh, the one thing I caught uh, after the convention that I saw very little coverage of was after Christie's speech, he was being interviewed on the convention floor, and he basically came right out and said, I have a set of skills which I can offer Donald Trump, and if he asks me to employ them for him, then I will. And he's clearly talking about the thuggish and brutal way that he goes about getting what he wants. Like, what's he doing right now? He's withholding health benefits from uh, federal employees or uh, from state employees in New Jersey unless they, you know, cooperate with him. He strong arms, and Bridgegate is a perfect example of what that is. And he basically came right out after saying how bad Hillary Clinton is and says uh, and said on national TV, if Donald Trump needs another bully, I'm that guy. Mm. So at least he's honest about who yeah, he is. So I can't blame Miss Demmer's head for exploding. Blinded. You know, he is a bully. Too. The most 100%. intellectually honest moment of the entire convention was Ted Cruz. Wow. Well, <laughs> like, like, seriously. Yeah. That was the highlight for me. <laughs> it was the most intellectually honest moment where he actually, you want to wait on that? No, no, no. Okay. You can continue. I was that's that's exactly because, you know, when it, that was day three. Ted Cruz, when he spoke and he got booed off stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sort of going out of order because, no, uh, yeah, that's fine. Because I want to jump back to day two for a second. Okay. But first, you know, when Ted Cruz said, vote your conscience and got booed, that was the best part of the convention yeah. by far. Because it showed that, you know, like there's not party unity and that's going to be a big problem for them and it's funny because the left is going around the far left is going around don't tell me who to vote for like don't tell me you need to vote for hillary and there's a lot of people in the hillary camp that are being like if you don't vote for hillary then we're going to get donald trump but in sort of the conservative circles what i heard was if you don't vote for donald trump we're going to get hillary and i think that second thing is actually more right so i thought it was interesting that you know, Ted Cruz is willing to put it out there that he might be able, might be willing to sacrifice this election, so that, well, that, he, that he could benefit yes. in twenty twenty. I mean, but I don't it's, know. But it is Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz is ultimately all about Ted Cruz, and you just nailed it right on the head. It's all about he's hedging his bets that Trump is going to lose because even right. though you don't want to come out and say that that's what's going to happen, it's probably what's going to happen. Right, and when. When that happens, Cruz is going to be standing in the ashes going, come to me, I will lead you, I am your salvation. You know that's what he's going to do. Right. No, I mean, I agree. I actually thought that Ted, like, Ted Cruz actually getting booed played right into that narrative he of I'm not it. the he establishment, I go against the grain, I am who I am, I'm yeah. an individual, and don't worry, I'll be back. But now he is the establishment. That's the interesting irony to that, yeah. which is now Donald's the outsider and Ted Cruz is the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, l- listen, 
I always have this thing about the devil you know and the devil you don't know. Here's mm-hmm. the thing about Donald Trump. Devil, Donald Trump's like the devil we don't know. We've heard, we, we don't really know what his ideas are or what his policies are because he doesn't know himself <laughs> and he's never put them out there, which is why I said that – you know, the whole entire convention had no, uh, it was like delinquent on ideas. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear one, I really heard very little ideas. Yeah, I heard definitely. lots of, you know, nice hyperbole like make America safe again and make America work again, but but there was no actual policy yeah. There's, to um, it. Ted Cruz, on the other hand, is the devil that you know, yeah. which right. is sort of worse in a way because Ted Cruz has put out policy ideas and you know what they are. And as far as I'm concerned, with some exception, they are bad. Uh, so, you know, that's another interesting point about that. On no. that note, I'm going to throw back to Selena. I think we have to go on a quick break. Yeah, we do. But um, don't worry. We still have more to cover with the RNC, especially Donald Trump's speech. And that, and also Ivanka Trump's speech. Who, she had like a, a pretty decent speech there. It's just that people were confused about who she was describing. But she did a, 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 probably the best job, in my opinion. So we'll talk about that in more right after this break on Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 again, uh, 3 FM. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs. And we have a very special guest commentator with us, Chad R. McDonald. Hello. We are talking about the RNC. It was a cluster of a convention. I'll just say it like that. Cluster of a you know that word. Right. <laughs> if, you, if you know the word, right. So um, we actually have a special guest on the line. We have Taman who wants to chime in on the convention. He is also a friend of the show. Hey, Taman. Hey, y'all. I just, uh, you know, I just want to say this real quick. You guys know that I'm conservative-leaning. There, there's, I've, I've been open about that, but the RNC was the biggest waste of time that I've ever seen. All of these speakers there were very hypocritical, except for maybe Ted Cruz might be the only one. Donald Trump is... is Donald Trump. <laughs> um, it, it was it was a complete waste of time. It was stupid. All of them went up there, you know, all throughout the campaign saying, we hate Donald Trump, we hate Donald Trump, and I understand that candidates are supposed to, you know, come together at their convention to do whatever, but Donald Trump probably, and I'm, I can't use bad language, but he probably said a lot of bad things about every single one during the campaign that they all endorsed him, and that uh, the candidates there all said, uh, things um, about Donald Trump, yet they still endorsed him. And Paul Ryan called Donald Trump racist two months ago, and he's like, "Our next president, Donald Trump, and our next vice president, Mike Pence." So you know, it, it was it was a complete waste of time. All of those people there had nothing in common with the average person. It, it, it was it was it was a complete waste of time. And quite frankly, I I feel that we'll see a lot of the same thing in Philadelphia mm. in the sense that um, Hillary Clinton isn't really inclined with average people. You know, I had a friend who told me earlier this week that, and we all know this as people, that uh, Republicans and Democrats literally have nothing in common with pretty much any of us because all those people who work within higher-ups of government don't all those people are going to get the convention in, we're in Philadelphia and in Cleveland last week. They don't live lives like we live lives. They live lives in their gated communities and they do what they want to do and they please their party and they please their special interests. That's what we're going to see in Philadelphia this week. I would tell people don't be 
uh, fooled by what you're going to be heard because at the end of the day, it's it's, it's going to be much of the same. That, that that that's how I feel on it. And I know I have a quick time, but can I just say one thing real quick? A little off topic, just for a second. Yeah. I just I just want to say with all the violence that has happened in this country over the last few weeks, you guys know I live here in Dallas where it happened here too. I condemn all violence. I hate the violence, and I hate what we're seeing here in America. I think it's very sad what we're right. seeing with citizens, black citizens being yes. shot, with police officers being shot uh, here in Dallas. Thank you so much, Taming. Um, you know, you, you gave a lot of uh, different responses. Definitely appreciate it. I'm right there with you about the Republican National Convention being a, a waste of time, but we always appreciate you calling in, guys. And if you're listening and you want to call in, the number is 212-650-690-3. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. No, actually, I actually expected um, Taming that your comments would be something similar to that. You know, I didn't see you as a Donald Trump supporter. I know you're conservative, but to me, you seem like you lean more towards Gary Johnson just based on our conversations. You know, Taman and I have had many, many political conversations um, when he was up here in New York. And he, I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you want to tweet at us, but... But, but Damon, are you... I think he's still online. Are oh. you voting for Gary? Yes. There. Uh, Got it. I, I'll put it like this: I am no way in line voting for Donald Trump, but I'm I'm leaning towards Gary Johnson. But there is no way on God's green earth I will ever vote for Donald Trump. See, we we agree there. We definitely agree there. Um, you know, as for the second point, and I really don't want to get into the DNC so much because it hasn't happened yet. Um, and I would maybe talk about it next week. But you know, I think you make some good points about that. Um, I've been to a. A, a DNC. I was at the DNC in 2008. The one difference that I think you're going to see, um, and I could be wrong, which is you may actually see some real ideas. They may be ideas that you personally disagree with, but you'll actually see some policy proposals. Yeah, I you, think that's going to be the big get, difference. Uh, you got previews of that when uh, during the primary season with Republican uh, debates and versus the Democratic debates. I mean, even though there was a lot of uh, uh, there was a lot of rivalry between Hillary and Bernie. They still work together on a lot of the same things. Say what you want about Hillary, but she still votes the same way that Bernie does on a lot of things. And the perfect meme that I thought summed it up was a two-panel of showing Republican debate, and it showed a WWF wrestling ring with everybody throwing over each other over the top rope, and then it showed the Democratic debate, and it was like an episode of Jeopardy with them all answering questions. So I think substantive-wise, the DNC will probably be a lot different than the RNC. And as Alyssa said, there's going to be policies there that... There'll definitely be more diversity. I mean, yeah. well, I'll, I'll tell there you wasn't a lot of diversity on the stage or within the audience, <laughs> so I expect to see some more color. I'll, hear, I'll tell you what you won't hear at the TNC. You won't hear lies about Benghazi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you won't hear lies about emails. And you won't hear false claims about Hillary's abolishing the Second oh, Amendment. Oh, God, I right. was so mad about that. <laughs> right. You know, I turn on the TV. It's the second night. It must have been Chris Cox from the NRA. Yep. I turn it on in like less than 30 seconds I hear abolish the second amendment I go you know you don't abolish amendments that's just not how things work so I turned it off because I was like you know if if 30 seconds in I already yeah. hear a lie well, it's just not worth my time to watch any of it Chris Cox of course is the leader of the NRA ILA and the whole Hillary's out to get the Second Amendment is just the same old argument from them over and over and over again for nigh on however many years. Right. And all that is is complete crap. There's When right. you talk about gun violence prevention, the whole, like, 
uh, if you want to call it the abolishment of the Second Amendment, whatever they want to say, we're, they're coming to get my guns. <laughs> All the different kinds of variations that they make about guns and guns controls are all based on the coming to get my guns, abolish the Second Amendment. And it's all <laughs> playing into the same fear and paranoia and just delusional uh, mindsets of the dark underbelly right. of uh, America's gun culture, which is heavily involved with Republican y- you're politics. You're absolutely right. It's just another scare tactic. And Donald exactly. Trump said the same thing as well. He said, my opponent wants to essentially <laughs> abolish the Second Amendment. Now, Hillary Clinton has said on a number of occasions, I, do, I am for the Second Amendment. I just want common sense legislation when it comes to gun control. As to so, 90% of Americans. Exactly. So the fact that we actually cannot progress and the fact that they just blatantly, blatantly lie about that exactly. is just is so misleading, hypocritical, and it's stupid at this point. Yeah, no. I agree. And and like the same thing goes with the the email thing, which oh, is yeah. here's okay, here's the thing. So Hillary actually was and even the attorney, you know, the the the, uh, the sorry, James Comey who's the head of the FBI said very reckless and careless with the keeping of these emails. That would have been something for them to run with, right? Instead, they want to pan out and be like, well, it's criminal, even though the FBI and the Department of Justice and everybody else who's looked into this had sa- has said it may be very, very negligent, but it's not criminal. So rather than running with the Hillary's very negligent thing, which actually would have been sort of good for them, they decided to run with the Hillary should go to prison and, you know, is a criminal thing, which I don't think helps them because... Clearly, there's already been decided that that's not the case. So it's like, why why go with this line that we know is a false talking point rather than going with the talking point that actually is true that, you know, she can't say isn't, right? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, not to mention the fact that uh, all the previous administrations did more or less the same thing that she did. But here's the thing. My wife found an article on the Huffington Post which blew my mind, and it really illustrated how complicit the mainstream media, the conservative media, all types of media have been with uh, Hillary and the emails versus Donald Trump. Donald Trump has is currently now there's a case pending against him for raping a woman who was 13 years old at the time. Why are we hearing about Hillary's emails more about the more far more than we're hearing about Donald Trump and his rape allegations especially right. to a, to a minor. That's insane. Yes. And the fact that uh, the fact that the media is still focusing on uh, Hillary's emails over and over and over because it's really just Benghazi, the new morph of it. But but we're not hearing about Donald Trump's rape allegations. We're not hearing about the fraud at Trump University. The fraud at Trump University. How he drove Atlantic City into the ground. How you know three. You know it's just. Over and over again, we're hearing Hillary's emails, but we're not hearing the real damaging stories about right. Donald Trump. Instead, the media is just giving him airtime every night because he he gives them, you know. And on top of TV. not hearing about the damaging stories about him that should be put out there, you know, we also have him pick Mike Pence, right. who couldn't be mm-hmm. more anti-gay, mm-hmm. anti-women, yep. uh, you know, anti-minor. Uh, well, I, I don't know that for sure. Well, so, funerals for fetuses. Uh, not to mention the whole like uh, the yeah you can you can thing? be you can be bigoted against uh, against the LGBT <laughs> that sounded like Donald Trump there LGBTQ Americans as long as you claim oh it's against your religion because quite frankly that is un-American you can say something because it's against your you you can say that you can't do something because it's against your religion that's fine but you can't say that I can't do something because it's against your religion and that's 
exactly why the Religious Restoration Freedom Act was wrong. That was all Pence, and it was just yep. legalized bigotry. Right. Yep. I mean, and like, listen, that's the same excuse they've been th- using since the 1950s and 60s yeah. about why people are supposed to drink at different water fountains or use different bathrooms or sit mm. in different places on not, the bus, right? You know, it was, well, no my religion, re- right? You know, religion no. was used as a justification for Jim Crow in the South for, you know, so long, and now it's the same thing, and so that gets into another thing, which is not only do we have no ideas, we have the same old ideas that I don't know. work, right. and the anti-gay, anti-woman, pro, you know, and uh, like this is not a knock on religion. It's just pro-using religion as a means to justify discrimination against exactly. other people. Right. No law shall right. be made respecting an institution of religion. That's the First Amendment. So if they're going to go on and on about the Second Amendment, they can't be disrespecting the First like that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So, I mean... We talked about a lot. We definitely got a lot of different points, and we see how, you know, horrible it was. I mean, for the most part, you may have found it a little bit entertaining if your blood pressure didn't go up watching the RNC. But, I mean, this, again, is a reflection of the Republican Party, and this is who the GOP is. I just want to take some closing remarks. Um, What's your takeaway? Well, I mean, obviously, the last thing is we didn't even get to the Trump speech. We went through all of that, and we didn't get to 75 (laughs) minutes of Trump blowing hot air saying the same things that he said, trying to victimize and blame people for the problems, trying to, you know, say to alienate certain groups of people, um, you know, like this was the, as far like, this was the whitest show on earth yeah. the, the past four days. And, you know, as Selena said, there was a lack of diversity there, but then it was just 75 minutes of Trump's same yelling old, same screaming, old yelling, screaming, dark again, like the, the, the world is coming to an end, the apocalypse is coming like there was no hope in there there was no ideas there was just fear 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 and it's because fear sells and that's like a page out of the nixon playbook exactly so and the other thing too is it's interesting to note how quickly that uh, uh people started pulling away from him uh they went on and on and on about benghazi uh the mother of chris stevens has just recently asked him to stop talking about it uh, they used the music from Queen. Queen said you can't use our music anymore. They used Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones said you can't use their music anymore. Over Luciano Pavarotti's estate, George Harrison's estate, whatever Donald Trump talks about, whatever he tries to, you know, come off like he's being endorsed by, that person that whatever comes out says I Donald, want nothing to do with them. Whatever Donald Trump touches turns to the word that starts with a S. Itch. Yeah, exactly. The word that starts with S and ends with a T yeah. <laughs> and has those other two letters in between so that we can't say it on the air. Right. But that's what happens. Everything Donald yeah. Trump you know, touches every, turns to they that. They all pull away from him. and that We'll call it poopy. <laughs> okay? <laughs> just like... <laughs> we'll just call it, uh, I don't know, Santorum maybe? Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good one. That is yeah, a good one. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no. The the takeaway here was that uh, uh, I mean the best the best thing I saw on Twitter about it was uh, George Bush talked about the shining. What, wait, who talked about the shining city on the hill? Was that uh, that was Reagan? It was Reagan. And then Bush talked about the thousand points of light. Uh, Obama said yes, we can, and uh, uh, Trump said America, what a hellhole. <laughs> Trump said, I just threw uh, up on you. Honestly, like 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 who? What kind of a person responds to that in a in a positive way? And I can actually tell you this. Walking home 
yesterday on 42nd Street, we passed a bit of a Trump rally on 42nd Street, just to the side of uh, of Times Square. Now, I say Trump rally because that's technically what it was, but it was about 15 people with Trump signs yelling insults at people. So this silent, ma- the silent majority that apparently stands with Trump is neither silent nor a majority. Right. Well, on that note, I just want to end by saying this. There's a famous quote by, uh, I believe it's uh, Maya Angelou, who says, when a person shows you who they are, believe them. This is who the Republican Party and your leader is. Lying, hypocritical, narcissistic, extremely braggadocious, uncaring, uncompassionate, racist, bigoted, Islamophobic. I mean, it's... The whole it's a whole laundry list of who Donald Trump is and who his supporters are. And if anything, if we can learn and take away anything from this, this is why we must all go to the polls and vote. I mean, even, you know, our conservative friend Tainan and a, a number of Republicans are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I have I share Republican values, but I will never vote for a, real, a reality star who just wants to sell books and just wants to live and do things for himself. Everything is all about him. And he's shown that time and time again. So it's up to us, the people that know better, to make sure that we reflect this in our votes so that he will never be president so i'm just gonna leave it right there but don't worry we will uh, go on a break but we will come back to more right here on let your voice Yeah, I see him. You are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And if you guys are just tuning in, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs, our special guest, Chad R. McDonald. And Jackie, love her to death. Stanley, not so much, is not here. But don't worry, the show must go on. So before we jump right into the news roundup, which is the time where we talk about our favorite stories of the news week and those that we hated as well, we have a caller on the line who would like to let his voice be heard about the RNC, which we just wrapped up. Clarence? Yes. Uh, how you doing? Um, hey, you gang. Hey, we're doing I'm good. Wa- yeah, well, all right. You know, you know, I really want to address this um the sick um fiasco that jumped off in um Cleveland. Uh it's really a sad uh note of, to uh uh about America. And um the, the the venomous hate that was spewed, I mean, it was really out of out of orbit. And to to call for um Hillary's head and all this kind of madness uh, I mean, I mean, can there be a, a cuter, uh, a more neater way to just, you know, disagree with somebody? You know, it's. I mean, it's just one of those things where I respect um, uh, the Republican that 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 um that didn't didn't um didn't support Donald Trump. Uh, was not Rubio. Was was his name? Um, which Republican did you say? Cruz. Ted Cruz? Uh, Ted Cruz. Cruz, Cruz, pardon me. I respect him because he knows how to at least defend his wife and his dad. You know, you know, I mean, you know, 
enough is enough. You know, but it's really a sad uh, right. state of affairs when uh, the globe is listening to how America is really uh, uh, just really just come apart at the seams. And the venomous hate right. that's spewed, it's no wonder that people is armed to the teeth around the globe against America. And see, and, and, and you know what? It's a blessing. And it might be a mercy that they're just not really just attacking right. Ameri- or just American citizens. Right. You know, I think that we definitely wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it was very hateful. It was very dark. Even Trump's speech itself was very dark. They kept using things like fear and hate and like the end. So we definitely agree there. So thank you so much, Clarence, for chiming in and letting your voice be heard we are going to jump right into the news roundup again guys if you want to let your voice be heard about a story that you heard or you just want to chime in on some of the stories that we're be ta- will be talking about you can call us up at 212-650-6903 so um before we started i mean there's this 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 one story that we mentioned before uh we started the show that's definitely been pressing upon me um i don't Alyssa, did you want to Start off with something happier before we just jump right into that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it happier. So I don't know if you know who Pervy Patel is. In 2015, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison uh, because she had two self-induced abortions at her home where she took a medication, I believe it was, that induced an abortion. Um, The Yes, she took uh, abortion-inducing drugs. Um, She was convicted of feticide, um, and last Friday, the uh, court overturned that conviction. Uh, They they did not overturn a a lower-level conviction. Uh, That is obviously still on appeal, but at least they overturned this. Um, You know, as we've talked about during many segments that we've done about abortion uh, recently, we we talked about medical abortion and about taking uh, a pill at your own home that induces you to have a miscarriage, and it's very common, and it's actually very, um, you know, very medically and scientifically proven uh, to be an acceptable form of... uh, you know, having an abortion. And yet in Indiana, where Mike Pence comes <laughs> from, who's going to potentially be our VP, uh, we have people, women, that are literally going to jail for having a medically induced abortion. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear this new good news that uh, the at least the first part of her conviction is overturned. I hope that we will have uh, better news, that we will also see her other conviction, the Class D felony for neglect of a dependent, um, overturned. But at least for now, she is going to be resentenced. So she will not be serving 20 years in jail. Could you imagine? No, yeah, it's it's news. to criminalize women who want to get rid of their pregnancy. It's horrible. And remember, Donald Trump said something along those lines not too long ago where he said that, I remember he did that, that interview with Chris Matthews and he was asked, would you punish the woman? And he was like, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that mentality itself is sickening. And it's, it's just so like, uh, it's, it's sexist, it's misogynist. And it's also, I don't, it's like, it's I don't know. It's just horrible. Well, I mean, especially what what made this case a little different was that like she was at twenty five weeks, and so what the the court essential not I mean the prosecutors essentially said was that and she ordered these drugs online from from Hong Kong because she was not eligible to walk into a clinic and get these drugs because she was already beyond the 24 week period. So she was literally one week beyond the period. So she ordered the drugs from a pharmacy in Hong Kong. And essentially what the prosecutor said is that, you know, when the miscarriage happened, essentially she gave birth to a fetus that was, she said was a stillborn, but the prosecutor said the child took one breath and therefore it was feticide. That's, that's just insane to me. Well, this is the same, this is the same kind of, uh, 
the same kind of people. I mean, Pence had the same law, or I mentioned before, where if a woman has an abortion, she then gets hit with uh, uh, funeral expenses because right. they have the that that it has to be buried or cremated, and it's just disturbing to me how like uh, a blastocyst or a fetus or something that's just not viable for <laughs> life is is being treated like an underclass of human beings targeted for murder and that's just plainly delusional and right. not, not for nothing before we uh, we move on when when they force expenses on somebody for something that's an, like shouldn't need an expense right? right if you have an abortion at like two or three weeks of pregnancy like it's four cells there's nothing that needs to be buried or right. cremated um you know and and it's of course it's always poorer women who of can't course. afford these right yep. and so then we get into aspects of race and class and how that plays into it but this news roundup we have other stories to get to so i'm gonna throw it back to selena yeah this is the republican idea of job creation <laughs> 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 fyi so yeah so speaking of race and class um as we know, the country has been in a battle when it comes to just African-Americans unarmed being shot down. And then we had the police shootings in Dallas and Baton Rouge. But before we, you know, we, we jump into Baton Rouge, which is pretty recent. It came after the Dallas shooting. Uh, we had the shooting of Charles Kinsey. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but he he was a therapist, a trained black therapist who was uh, trying to get an autistic uh student of his who or 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 someone who was like within that uh within his clinic so they happened to run away and he's autistic so he's not fully functioning and he's sitting in the middle of the street with a toy truck so charles kinsey is like you know he's trying to coax him along to say like come on let's go back all of a sudden you know someone calls the cops the cops show up and instead of helping this autistic young man and helping this therapist get him back into the facility they draw their weapons, right? Well, and I'll just say this, FYI, the person that called the cops said that that person may have a gun. They may have been talking about the autistic man. I don't know, but they said a gun may have been involved. So they get there. They draw their guns. Charles is like, okay, guys, my hands are up. FYI, let me just let you know, I am a trained therapist. This person is autistic. He has a toy truck in his arms, He in his hands. He also says there's no need for a weapon. And... Because he's black, they shoot him anyway. Yes. And he, while his hands were still in the air, and this part was on a video, and he's like, what? And then he says, like, sir, why did you shoot me? And the officer reacts saying, I don't, I don't know. know. I was just like, I was fuming at work. Like, it's like enough is enough. It's hard to take this. Thank God Charles has survived. He only shot him in the leg and not the heart or the brain. But this is ridiculous. Right. And like, you know what? He did everything right in the situation. Right. But even so, I hate, like, I, you know, like, I, oh. in in some ways, it's like he's the model for having done everything right and still being shot. Yeah. On the other hand, even if people don't do everything right, that's not necessarily a reason to kill them. So I don't want to think that just because he did everything right, I am trying to imply that if you don't necessarily do everything right, that you should also still be killed. Now, obviously, if you, if your idea of not doing the right thing is turning and pointing a gun at a police officer then you're going to get shot mm -hmm. you know but we're talking about you know people that are largely unarmed and in this situation he's literally laying on the ground with his arms up telling the police that this thing that this man has in his hand is a toy it is not a weapon that he nobody has a weapon and 
you know, I, I like trig- like this guy was just trigger happy. Well, what we're seeing over and over and over again that is that if a, a black person walks toward the cops, they get shot. If a black person walks away from the cops, they get shot. If a black person doesn't look at the cops, they get shot. If the black person does make eye contact with the cops, they get shot. If the black person is carrying a gun, they get shot. If a black person's carrying a toy gun, they get shot. And now if a black person's carrying a toy truck, they get shot. And this no, is no, no, all I think No, 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 a person is carrying a toy truck. And and the, black, oh, the person <laughs> next to the black person carrying the toy truck, excuse me, I'm sorry, you're right. absolutely right. I think but there's this is a common the theme in this. Yeah, the, this, is, this is the thing. I have a hard time believing, and I have a son who places on the autistic spectrum, that if I was in the street trying to get my son to calm down, they would not have shot me. And I have treated the cops like jerks. <laughs> Oh, in wow. the past, I have mouthed off at the cops. I have mouthed off when they pulled me over, even when I knew I deserved to be pulled over. There was one incident where I was at a bar with a friend, and he caused a ruckus, and he was drunk and being a jerk. They called the cops on him. The cops are arresting him, and I'm yelling at the cops. Um, there's all kinds of different in- incidences in my past where I have been completely disrespectful to the police in a way that if I were black... I could not do that. At the very least, I would have been arrested along with them, but I was given a pass. And that is what white privilege is, and that is why black lives matter. Because it's not that what all lives matter misses in this. It's not that only black lives matter. It's just that they have historically mattered less in the past. Right. And no, still do. Yeah, yes. Uh, I agree. Uh, you know, actually, so I saw something great on that, right? Um, and it says, I'm going to actually read it. It was a, a tweet or a Facebook post. Um, if you say hashtag blue lives matter, you don't mean that people who aren't police don't matter. It's mm-hmm. just that you feel like police were being unfairly targeted by a group of people, which means you understood what the beep word I can't <laughs> say on the radio. The phrase black lives matter has meant the entire time and you have elected to be a jack other word I can't say on yeah. the radio that is that is another word for but no <laughs> you're absolutely right and it, like you said this is historical and this is something that's just playing out in social media and on cameras because of technology but this has been going on for decades and now you see now and I'm not justifying anyone retaliating but I think people who have PTSD such as the shooter in, in right, Dallas right. that shot the cops and the shooter in Baton Rouge that shot the cops who also was in Iraq veteran who had PTSD what they're doing is you know people don't know always know how to channel their frustration and their anger in the most productive way and these crazy people are going out and shooting back and retaliating thinking that's going to bring us to some type of solution I don't agree but I certainly I, I can understand and see how you know the frustration level is boiling over at this point and people don't know what to do to get this to stop we march we petition we speak out about it and it just happens all the time and frankly I'm at the point where I'm expecting another black life to die this week and I just pray it's not mine or or someone uh, or my loved one that's the point we're at now I wrote a piece about this specifically for uh, spoilednyc.com and uh, I talked about a lot of the things that we've been talking about right now the the thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that you can support Black Lives Matter and the police at the same time. John Stewart, I think, said something along the, the lines of there is n- there is nothing wrong with condemning the officer that 
officers that do wrong while supporting the officers that don't. When it came to Dallas, that police department was incredibly helpful to the Black Lives Movement. They helped plan them the the they helped plan the march. Uh, they de-escalated down to patrol uniforms and pistols, and then somebody opened fire and everybody lost their stuff on media, mainstream and otherwise. The problem is is that um, you have a lot of rhetoric being put out by the right wing, by the NRA, by Chris Cox at the RNC recently, that black people are gangbangers and thugs, mm-hmm. and the police are jackpooted government oppressors. It's really only a matter of time before they speed up the car crash that is uh, the oppression of uh, black Americans and uh, what the police have to go through. I mean, where I do sympathize with the police is that uh, not excusing them at all is that at any minute they could have somebody pull a gun on them at any time of their day. And in 20 years of the restaurant industry, I dealt with dozens of physical assaults upon me, just, you know, whether it was a co-worker or breaking up co-workers or from a customer or breaking up customers because people can get nuts. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, walk through Times Square and the cops are there in full tactical gear with fully automatic firearms at all times. Same thing at Penn Station. That was unheard of Mm. not that long ago, but the police would be foolish to not be prepared at all times for lethal threats. And this does not at all excuse what we're seeing here in New York City, what we're seeing in Baton Rouge, what we have saw in Ferguson, what we saw in Baltimore, what we saw everywhere. But we have basically two cars full of issues that crashed into each other, and it was the rhetoric forwarded by the NRA and the right wing that helped make that carnage as bloody as possible. Well, you know, listen, last week we or two weeks ago now, we had on uh, Officer Edwin Raymond, um, you know, and you should definitely listen to that interview. That is an amazing interview, and if you don't go to our webpage right after this live show <laughs> ends and listen to that interview, you're really missing out. But, I mean, Edwin Raymond is a black police officer. He grew up in Brooklyn. You know, he knows the community. He wants to do right. He said from the beginning, and, and go listen to the interview, that he always intended to do right. That's the type, like, that falls into that fits into black lives matter also right? right that has to be something that has to be understood like edwin raymond even though he's a police officer is part of black lives matter you know what has to stop the rhetoric against black lives matter yes. about it being some kind of terrorist, terrorist group yeah. or yeah. you know like or that it's racist because those things are not only not true they're not helpful and you know we really are sitting here and I'm a civil rights attorney and a lot of the black lives matter movement are activist people or people who are just fed up and want to get involved and like we're asking for social justice and we're asking for there to be changes in the way right. we do policing and the changes in the way you know our country is structured so that we have less things like this and not for nothing the other thing the last thing I want to say because I know that we have a caller on the line we want to get to which is this idea of war on cops is garbage like if you look at the numbers Mm -hmm. police are being killed at a far lower rate now than at any point in history toddlers get shot and shoot more people than cops do just so you know FYI we do have a caller on the line who would like to let her voice be heard welcome to the show Hi, how are you? I want to thank you for this show. It's really informative. And just one thing I wanted to comment on is what I think the world, and especially we here in the United States, simply do not understand is that more black men than ever, whether or not they've been in the military, suffer from PTSD. 
And uh, right now, well, you've said it. Things are terrible. Uh, you know, beyond that, I just I heard someone say, these crazy people, I mean, I think it was you probably, you were sympathizing, you were saying, they have PTSD and people don't understand this, and these crazy people go out. I actually object to using the word, I would like to say, these troubled people. Yes, you know, you I, know, I agree. With, I'm the one who used that. I just want to say that I, I agree with you there about not using the word crazy and troubled. That's a better word. But continue. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, this is right on. And, you know, uh, yes, there are those policemen, you know, who are good guys. You know, years and years ago, I lived in Harlem over 30 years, and uh, a guy got shot, killed on 7th Avenue. He was selling incense, and he had mouths. Right. Anyway, the cops shot him seven times and he died. And it didn't hit the media really, not much. It was probably, you know, a small byline in the New York Times or whatever, if that. Uh, But many of us, I'd say about 300 of us, did descend on the precinct and we tried to find out, you know, uh, what was going on. And I, I said to a community affairs officer who I respected, I have to say, I mean, he was for all practical purposes, a good guy, and he did work with the community. I said, why did they shoot? You know, because it wasn't necessary to shoot. The guy didn't have a gun. He was unarmed. And this man said to me, "Um, they teach us to shoot. Mm. They teach us to shoot. Right. One other comment he made at another time when I overheard him telling a rookie how to avoid uh, the drug, you know, how to get out of the drug test because I guess the rookie maybe smoked marijuana or something. I'm not sure. He was explaining to him, this is what you do. And he didn't know I had overheard it. I was early for our meeting. He came in and he said, well, sorry, we're the biggest gang in the world. And Mm. that is a real problem, I think. That is a real problem. And we definitely appreciate you for calling in and letting your voice be heard. You know, when it comes to police training and how they relate to communities of color, that's an issue that we discuss here all the time. And it definitely does boil back to training and just the institution of police, because at the root of it, it, it is systemic racism. So we appreciate that. And we'll continue doing our part here and let your voice be heard to inform, educate and empower. On that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, we'll be talking about who is Tim Kaine right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. And although I'm not the engineer, I do have the smooth transitions. My name is Selena Hill. engineer today. I'm, well, today. I'm not the official engineer. Stanley Fritz is not here, but we're holding it down for him right here at WHCR. We have Alyssa Fuchs in the studio. We have special guest commentator Chad R. McDonald. And, we call, of course, we have Monty, our favorite Intern, so after months and months of speculation of who Hillary Clinton is going to pick on the Democratic ticket, you know, way back then people were like, oh, maybe it'll be Elizabeth Warren. There was some theory that she might even put Bernie Sanders. Then you had people saying maybe it'll be Cory Booker, maybe it'll be Julian Castro. You know, it was just so much speculation. Finally, she came out. Last Friday, around like 8 p.m., which I thought was kind of an odd time. I'm like, is this like under the radar? But I think she was uh, sort of avoiding the Munich shooting. News. Oh, yes. Yes, she yeah. did hold off because of the Munich shooting. Thank you. And, and good note on that. Um, so she picked Tim Kaine. And 
it turns out that is who will be running uh, on the Democratic ticket with Hillary Clinton. Now, we're going to spend some time going over exactly who Tim Kaine is, his background, his voting record. Um, You know, he is a U.S. senator from Virginia. He's also pretty similar to Hillary Clinton in a lot of ways. He's pragmatic, almost centrist when you when, when you think about you know where he falls on that scale of being a Democrat or the left wing. Um, he's almost like. I would say, like, a lacks a little, like, charisma. He's not, like, an in-your-face. He's like, boring. I didn't want to use that word. No, he is, <laughs> well, and that's what Hillary likes about him. Right, like, he's, I guess he almost avoids, like, scandal. She won't have to worry too much about that, even though he did uh, take, I think, about $160,000 worth of gifts um, in Virginia. But he reported that. Yes, it was disclosed. It was fully disclosed. But other than that, he's, like, a boring, really nice guy that I would just love to, like, wake up early in the morning with and, like, have some tea or coffee. Like, that's how I think of Tim Kaine. And, but the thing is, yeah, he's boring, but a lot of people are up in arms. Now, Stanley, who is not here, I'm hearing is very upset about it, but I think that Stanley, you know, he represents a a core of the Democratic Party who were very much Bernie Sanders supporters, some of them either Bernie or or bust, and they were saying, you know what, we already don't like you, Hillary Clinton. Can you at least do us a favor and pick someone who would, um, I, I guess, be more relatable when it comes to how our ideals, our progressive beliefs, you know, our liberalism and what we think, where we think the country should go. And she was just like, no, you're going to vote for me anyway. Here's Tim Kaine. Um, So we have a lot to talk about. I know Chad is like earnestly waiting to jump into this conversation. But yes, go ahead. Well, um, yeah, Tim Kaine wasn't... uh wasn't an expected pick by a lot of people. And I think a lot of people were expecting Elizabeth Warren or even Bernie Sanders himself. Uh, Hillary went with Tim Kaine for a lot of reasons. Um, Mostly, most of what we've talked about already. Yeah, he's boring, but he's also greatly admired in the political circles by both sides of the aisle. Uh, He is scandal-free and is generally regarded very well for his integrity. So he's a good offset to the character assassination that Hillary's been put (laughs) under for the past 25 years. The other thing is that Hillary has had a a not-so-secret weapon throughout this entire campaign, which has really been a big strength of hers, and that's been the gun violence prevention community. Moms Demand Action, um... The uh, the Brady Coalition, all of those pe- all of those organizations have been open throated supporters of Hillary Clinton, and Tim Kaine is also someone that they've supported. Tim Kaine, wa- when the Virginia Tech shooting happened, he was governor of that state, and he's a gun owner, and he's a gun owner, and he took that personally. And when the NRA decided to resist him, he went after them, and he's beaten them time and time and time again. This election has turned into a cartoon supervillain with an evil army of the NRA against Hillary Clinton. So why wouldn't she then go out and get someone who has a track record of taking down the NRA right in their backyard uh, and who has such a sterling reputation of, uh, of, of honesty and integrity and who speaks Spanish? who speak Spanish fluently. So on the one side, you've got Mexicans are rapists and drug lords and killers, and on the other, you have someone who actually is speaking to uh, the Hispanic population of America. So it really does make a lot of sense. Well, Tim- I'll, I'll, I'll say this. 
Chad, you make a really good argument for Tim Kaine. If you are listening and you are against it, call us up at 212-650-6903. You can also tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio because we want to hear that perspective too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? I, I want to I talk about who Tim, who Tim Kaine is and some things that you need to know about. Before I get there, though, I want to address something about this throwing a bone to the, le- to the progressive wing of the party, which is this. And I said it yesterday, which is there is, you know— two theories on this, which is basically dependent on whether or not these people are going to vote for her anyway, right? So if you believe that some people who had previously said, we're not going to vote for Hillary, we're potentially going to change their mind if she picked somebody like Warren or Bernie Sanders himself, then she might have done so. However, so many of these people Mm -hmm. have literally said... I am never going to vote for Hillary. It doesn't matter if she picks Bernie Sanders. And maybe they were just saying that. And maybe they would have. But they said, it doesn't matter if she picks Bernie Sanders. It doesn't matter if she picks Hillary Warren. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Hillary Warren. It doesn't matter if she picks Elizabeth Warren. I'm still not going to. Or it doesn't matter if she picks a, another progressive like Sherrod Brown. I'm still not going to vote for her. As evidenced by the backlash against Warren and Sanders after they made their endorsements. Exactly. So, as far as I'm concerned, why try to appease voters who have made it clear they're not going to support her under any circumstances? And they're going to attack their own hero. In, in fact, in my opinion, it makes more sense uh, to pick somebody who's a little bit more moderate, who still has a very liberal track record when it comes to policy ideas, because by doing this, you are now, you know... S- pulling people from the never-Trump side of the Republican Party Mm -hmm. and independents that consider themselves to be moderates or middle of the road. So, you know, my question actually is, for people who are Bernie and Bust, like, be intellectually honest. Even if she picked Warner Sanders, were you going to vote for her? And if the answer is no, then shut up. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Because if the answer is yes, you know, I considered if she would have picked a liberal that I might have voted for her, and now I'm not going to, I want to hear your opinion. But if your answer is I was never going to vote for her, even if she picked Bernie Sanders, then I really, and I'm sorry, I just, like... Keep your opinion. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. Everybody's entitled to have an opinion, but keep it to yourself. It's, because why should we be throwing you a bone if you were never going to come out and vote exactly. for her to begin with? It seems disingenuous. I had it a, is disingenuous. I had a colleague, it doesn't seem disingenuous. I, I had a I had a colleague tell me exactly that. Progressives need to be thrown a bone here. And I'm like, you're a writer that has for the last year been savaging Clinton. Like over and over and over again. And you yourself attacked Warren once she once she endorsed Clinton and you did the same again to Sanders the, the person that you're supposed to be emulating that you're now going against what he's directly telling you to do and now you're saying I need to be thrown a bone never mind the fact that there, it's not just going to be a bone like I said before it's going to be a place at the table Sanders's right. ideas are good he's going to end up getting a high ranking position in the cabinet out of this and what he represents will be in the platform going forward so at this point it can only be just I hate Hillary I'm not going to vote for her and that's it and if that's the case then yeah as Alyssa said have your opinion but you can't expect it to be respected that much Agreed. And guys, again, if you want to call in to let your voice be heard, the number is 212-650-6903. Yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about Tim Kaine, because, of course, that is the title of this segment of Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio, which is Who is Tim Kaine? So let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Before he got into politics, he spent time working with missionaries in Honduras. He started his career in public service. He took a year off from Harvard Law School to actually run a technical school that was founded by Jesuit missionaries 
missionaries in Honduras. Uh, he described this time in Honduras as, uh, you know, and uh, being very important to him as part of his religion. That's why he speaks Spanish. Um, he started off as a lawyer who was a civil rights lawyer, just like I am, although he didn't deal with policing issues like I do. He fought against housing discrimination. For 17 years, he represented people denied housing due to their race or because they had a disability. Um, he actually also started the Virginia Coalition to End Homelessness uh, while he was also um doing this work and he brought a suit against another financial institution for shutting homeowners out because they were people of color, which is a practice known as redlining, which we have talked about on this show. He championed early childhood and higher education uh, by funding public schools in Virginia. He passed the largest bond package for higher education construction in Virginia. He advocated and expanded pre-kindergarten access. As Chad mentioned, and Chad can speak about more, he helped close critical loopholes to prevent gun violence after the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007. Under his watch, Virginia was rated the best state for business and for raising children, um, of course, while he was governor. He is, even though he is personally um, pro-life, he has a 100% rating from Planned Parenthood. He is super pro-choice, even though he is personally against abortion. He has uh, fought efforts in his state to restrict women's access to birth control. He has spoke out against legislation that would let a woman's employer dictate the terms of her reproductive health. Um, He's obviously in favor of the Affordable Care Act, and he has just introduced legislation that would provide women access to FDA-approved birth control that they could buy over the counter. He's advocated for LGBT rights. He's advocated and worked to restore voting to, sorry, restore voting rights after the gutting of the VRA last year. And yes, He has advocated for deregulation of regional banks, but the reason he has done that is because he wants them to be able to compete with the big, large banks. So a lot of people have said that he's in the pocket of Wall Street, but regional means small. He's pro-small business. And in addition, he's apparently just come out like Hillary saying that he can't support the TPP the way it is currently written, even though he personally did support it in the past. So that's giving you the major things that you really need to know about Tim Kaine. No, thanks so much for breaking that down, Alyssa. And he does have a strong background in civil rights. As Alyssa mentioned, he is extremely well qualified, just like Hillary Clinton. But the thing that really, you know, sticks out to me is the fact that him as a Christian being pro-life, he shows that you can be pro-life and also pro-women's reproductive health, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to, it's not one or the other, just like I am. Like, so he and his wife, I guess, would, you know, would choose not to have abortion, which is perfectly fine. That's okay. But he's not trying to, you know, avidly stop other women from having abortions or criminalizing them, which is just absurd. Again, abortion is is a right, is a constitutional right that we have here. And to try to set us back to make America great again is ludicrous. And I, you know, I just wanted to ask, wasn't he also a mayor and a governor? Uh, yeah, I believe so. He's right, been like both a mayor, he's <laughs> been a governor, he's and, been a senator. Right. He's supremely qualified. Right. And you know, like and also even just going back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning, like he's liberal. Yes. You know, like yes, he's a moderate, there's but nothing, like but there's he's no- still very like not very he's liberal. There's nothing that he stands for that a progressive cannot get behind. And also, uh, importantly enough, like like the swing state advantage, right? So that's a big thing, which is – so I was actually looking at the Electoral College, and the way the map is right now, if you look at the Electoral College, Democrats have an advantage in the Electoral mm-hmm. College. It's what's known as the blue wall. Essentially – a lot of states go red, but they're states that have lower populations, so they have less electoral college votes. So you can win a lot of red states, but that's not going to get you a lot of electoral college votes. Look at a state like New York that 
pretty much always goes blue. And the reason is we have a large population here. So, and you look at a state like California, so you, you can win a lot of states and you can win a lot of red states, but if the population is low, you're not going to get a lot, a lot of electoral college votes. Whereas New York, you're going to get a lot of electoral votes and same thing with California. So if you look at states, we know always are going to go blue. You know, those are a lock for Hillary already. They already put her at an advantage. Now you look at right now the latest poll that came out, which is an NBC Marist poll, shows that she's ahead seven points in Florida. Seven the margin of error is four points. So she's beating the margin of error by three points in Florida. And if she wins Virginia, which is Tim Kaine's state, which almost Tim Kaine is like guarantee that she's now probably gonna win Virginia, and she wins Colorado, where she's also beating the margin of error there, then she could actually lose Pennsylvania. She could lose Ohio and she could lose lose North Carolina, and she will still beat Donald Trump 282 electoral college votes. So uh, to me, this is like on top of him having great policies, it's also a great electoral college strategy because it's basically saying, if I can win Florida and I can win Virginia and I can win Colorado, then you know what? If I lose Ohio, that's okay. I can still win the election. Strategically, it's an incredibly important move. Uh, The the last midterms, the Democrats had a lot of seats that they had to defend in the midst of extreme Republican rage and low voter turnout, which almost means, always, always means conservative victory. Uh, this time around, we have a presidential election, which people show up for, and uh, now the Democrats are going to be defending exactly one seat, and Republicans were, are going to be uh, defending somewhere in the line of 24, 25, and these are Senate seats. So um, even before Donald Trump came along and made everybody insanely angry at him, the Republicans were already in trouble. Right. Well, well, you know, you guys make you know a great argument. It's extremely strategic. It works out in Hillary's uh, favor. Again, this is politics. She's going to do what she needs to do so that she can win at the end of the day. But it's like, is you know, is the far left wing's outrage justified? Like, I mean, tell me, understand, like, what is their their counter to uh, counter arguments? I mean, I, like, is it justified in some ways? Some of it might be because you know he, like I said, he did support the the TPP, but the TPP was President Obama's plan. Here's the thing: I love President Obama. I don't like the TPP. You know, listen, I have personal, but I don't think that alone makes Tim Kaine a bad policy choice. But what they're seeing it as, and especially with this new dump of emails from the DNC, which we, I know, like, we might have to take a quick break, and but we can talk about when we come back. Um, They're saying, like, basically their position is, like, not only is it rigged, but, like, then she chooses somebody who couldn't be further away from Bernie Sanders. Now, I disagree with that. I I think they're wrong on that because I think they're wrong on how far Bernie Sanders is away from Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. but we can talk about that a lot more when we come back from Oh, yeah, we definitely need to talk more in depth about that. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. She never compromises Loves babies and surprises Wears high heels when she exercises Ain't that beautiful Meet Virginia Well, she wants to be the queen And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. You are hearing the voice of Selena Hill. Alyssa Fuchs and Chad R. McDonald. And the song you were just hearing is Meet Virginia by Train. Old song, but good song. And we're playing Meet Virginia because Tim Kaine is from Virginia. 
Right. And we're speaking about Tim Kaine. Again, Tim Kaine is the person that Hillary Clinton has chosen to run on the Democratic ticket with us. So that means if Hillary Clinton is elected, and I personally believe she will be, Tim Kaine will be our vice president. But you know what? You know, even though there's been like a lot of upset from, you know, the Bernie or bus crowd or just Bernie supporters or those on the far left, about Tim Kaine, I think that, you know, Hillary Clinton almost even took a page from Bill Clinton's book. I mean, if you think about when Bill Clinton chose Al Gore from, uh, you, you know, to run on his ticket, Al Gore was pretty, like, boring, very, very safe, very strategic. So, I mean, it only it only makes sense. I mean, personally, I would have loved her to pick Elizabeth Warren or Michelle Obama or, or you know, someone like that. But I think that that was, like, almost, like, fantasy thinking. And I didn't really expect that. But I guess people on the far left were like, like, no, you better do this. And it's like, you know, that leaves us to say, well, are they going to come out and vote? Because they're even more upset with Hillary. Do you think they're going to stay home? Well, I mean, it raises an interesting question, which is, were they ever going to come out to vote to begin <laughs> yeah. with? Because if they weren't, and now they're not, then there's nothing lost. And, you know, if you if you were an independent and you joined the Democratic Party to vote in the primary for Bernie— but you never intended to vote for Hillary no matter what, um, you know, and basically you were like, I'm going to go back to being independent after the primary and, you know, I'm going to vote for Jill Stein, then you're not really a lost vote because, you know, nothing lost, nothing gained, right? You were never there to begin with. The, the better question is, are there going to be Democrats, literally registered Democrats, that decide to stay home? And there's been polling done on this. And it, what we have learned through this polling if we want to assume it's accurate so far, that seven in 10 registered Democrats, or maybe it's eight in 10, which is like 80%, say that they're going to come out and vote for Hillary, even mm-hmm. if they supported Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. in the beginning. And then there comes the question of, well, well, don't we always say we need independence to win elections? Yeah, we do, but the conventional wisdom is sort of thrown out the window because of Donald Trump this year. So if Hillary instead pulls some people from from the middle, independents that were on the middle versus independents that were on the far left, and she pulls those moderate people and she pulls Republicans that are never Trump, then that's going to make up for any people that she might, you know, that like exactly. that, like those are going to balance each other out. So I don't know. You know, on the other hand, there could be a legitimate argument made that, you know, she really needed the progressives and that without them, she's not going to win. Um, you know, so those are those are the two viewpoints. I tend to side with the first one. I know many people that side with the second one. I'm not saying it's incorrect. I think they're two reasonable viewpoints. And of course, the thing with the emails, uh, which we're, we'll talk about in a minute, because I'm sure Chad wants to respond to what I just said, um, doesn't really help bring those people on board either. Um, but at the same time, a party is not like a party has its own rules. There's nothing that says that a party can't be in favor of one of the candidates that is voting, that they have to be neutral. I mean, when Barack Obama ran for president in 2008, there were 16 people running for that nomination, including Vermin Supreme. Did the DNC have to be neutral towards Vermin Supreme? I mean, Alyssa, that's that's a hard point because the thing is, like, so 2,000 emails were leaked days before, actually hours before the DNC that shows that the DNC has never, was never playing fair. They definitely sided with Hillary Clinton and they took certain steps to make sure that she was winning. I mean, that is kind of like a big deal for me. I I, I mean, it's something that we always known, but to have it valid Validated to that degree, and I can really see like Bernie or Bus people who have already been saying this system is rigged. I want no part of it. Now I can really see them saying this is why. Understandable. We're still only 
beginning to understand this story. Certainly what's going on with Debbie Wasserman Schultz, it does seem to be a little bit on the smelly side, and I don't want to have much to do with that. Uh, if the DNC was definitely pulling for uh, pulling to work against Bernie, then that is something that does need to be addressed. Does that mean that Bernie lost because of this? Maybe. I can't say. Uh, Bernie, <laughs> Bernie like, yes. quite simply didn't get the votes. And... Uh, a lot of it had to do, like, I hate to keep coming back to this topic, a lot of people underestimated the strength of the gun violence prevention movement through a real pusher and mover and shaker in Hillary's campaign. The other thing is, what did Bernie do to the DNC as well? There's another side to this. There always is. He at least apologized for the breaches of uh, the breaches that he made for the DNC. But yes, coming back to it, the system does seem to be rigged in that regard. And that does need to be addressed. I mean, I know that he voted against Debbie... Um, what's, what's her name again? Wasserman De- Schultz. Yes, I know he voted against her in the primary, but, like, did he ever do anything that was, like, a breach? I mean, it just seemed like they wanted Hillary to win because that was the surest way to beat Donald Trump. And I think that that's unfair to have that type of attitude going into it because we never know what Bernie Sanders was really, really capable of. And he just needed a fair well, shot. You know, I showed him a, t- a chat a tweet before while we were, t- like, during this first segment. And it was basically a tweet that said, Bernie in the beginning. Hey, guys, this is a really, really long shot. I'm, I'm running 2% in the polls. It's a huge long shot. I'm probably not going to win, but I'm in it anyway. And then he loses. And then the next part of the tweet was like, it's rigged. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like, Bernie knew it was a long shot from the beginning. I voted yeah. for Bernie. I don't have anything against I love Bernie, okay? I think he what he did was great. He definitely moved the party to the left. His The platform of the party is far more liberal than it would have been if Bernie Absolutely. would not have been involved. Bernie had a, you know... Had it definitely had a large impact on the Democratic Party and was great for the party. And, you know, his I hope his movement continues. This is what upsets me so much about the email situation, which is, like I said, parties don't have to be neutral. Um, you know, they you can have lots of different candidates running. But when you only have two, you should be a lot more neutral than, like, right. when you have 16. No, that's and, for sure. and that's understandable, and I get it. And I think, like, this does play into the left's, like, whole idea of it being rigged yep. but at the end of the day i don't know my feeling is like he just he didn't get the votes well donald trump tweeted the only reason why bernie sanders lost according according to analysis is because of super delegates that's the only reason and if donald trump is saying it then you know <laughs> not to believe it I mean, this plays right into his hands, and that's the, that is the thing that we really need to be aware of. The progressives that are shouting that oh, I'm not going to vote for Hillary, then you're voting for Trump. No, I'm just going to stay home. Then you're voting for Trump. Well, then I'm going to vote third party. Well, then you're voting for Trump. There is no viable third party right not... now. There's Jill Stein's. What if by some miracle Jill Stein wins presidency? Now both parties are going to snubber. Obstruction's going to get worse. Nothing's going to get done. And not for nothing. Like I don't want to yeah, like I get into. De- I like I like some of Jill Stein's policies, but she's also like an anti-vax, like oh god, homeopathic. Oh, nut don't too. even. Yeah, Any so, vaxxer, really. Yeah, let's not. Uh, like yeah, there's been some oh, literature about that. I didn't you even should, know about that. Uh, although now they're trying to now counter. I hate her. Now they're trying to counter <laughs> that um, by saying she was never really oh, anti-vax. Anti-vaxxers are dangerous. But uh, anyways, I don't want to get off topic. You know, speaking of Bernie and about Tim Kaine, because this segment is about Tim Kaine, Bernie is right now, while we are on the air, on the morning shows, telling people that Tim Kaine is 100% better than Donald Trump on 
any given day of the week. In addition, and prepare to have your mind blown, the Wall Street Journal, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, the same person who's now in charge of running Fox News, which was the one story we did not get to during the news roundup about how Roger Ailes has now stepped down because of the sexual harassment mm-hmm. allegations. But of course, I've now found a way to work it into this segment. The Wall Street Journal is writing that Virginia's economy grew each year under Governor Tim Kaine, despite the national downturn. The Wall Street Journal, which is literally an arm of Rupert Murdoch and partially an arm of, it's the more sane arm of the Republican yep. Party compared to, say, the New York Post or, you know, the Drudge Report. But n- nonetheless, the Wall Street Journal is actually praising Tim Kaine right now. So that is showing you where the Wall Street Journal is lying. They apparently seem to be never Trump as well and speaks to my earlier theory that Hillary is trying to pull people from the exactly. right. Exactly. And it, it, it's what we were talking about earlier. Tim Kaine has very few political enemies and is generally highly regarded. I'll take boring. Well, well, well the, here, here's the thing. Tim Kaine, like Hillary Clinton, they're also not purists, right? They will not, they're not the type of people who will put, who will not concede or agree to something unless it's their way. And they take pride in that. They're like, we will compromise. But I think that also that shows. And they're not helping. Well, well, I think, well, then when you have people like Bernie Sanders and you have people who are, are like extremely like stringent and like, I'm not going to compromise and I'm going to do this. I think that speaks to a larger demographic and especially millennials who just don't trust the system and they want people to hold out. They want they want to hear somebody say, like Donald Trump says, I am against the establishment. It's my way or no way. I'm going to build a wall. Like he says these radical ideas, but it's resonating across America because in some respect, it's like I'm 100 percent against the system and you don't have to worry about me feeding into special interest groups or doing backroom deals. I'm not a politician. But you know, here's the other thing about that though, about like people, the first part of what you said, like people like a candidate who's like not going to budge or not going to move. And that may be true because they're like, well, this person fits with my ideological perspective and they're willing to stand their ground. But you know what? At the same time, this is politics. And if you know anything about politics, nothing gets done without a compromise. And the reason why is because when the founders wrote the Constitution, and they set up our system of government, and what I'm talking about right now are the the articles of the Constitution, not the amendments, okay? The Article 1, Article 2, Article 3 that lay out how our government is constituted, which is why it's called a constitution to begin with. That's where the word comes from. Um, the founders laid it out in a way where there would be checks and balances, right? And the checks and balances set up a situation where we would have us, like people would have to work together. Republicans, Democrats, Whigs, Federalists, right. people, no, no matter who the parties are, they've always had to, since the inception of the country, work together. The founders wanted it that way because they didn't like extremes. They didn't ever want to have a situation where you had one party passing policy extremes that were very, very conservative and another party passing policy extremes that were very, very liberal. Right. And in order to balance that out, they purposely created this system where people would have to compromise. So I do think in some ways i understand like we don't want somebody who's going to compromise ideologically we want somebody to stand their ground but at the other hand like for me and this is my opinion and you can disagree with it like i want somebody that's going to stand their ground when they want something but i also want somebody who's going to be able to know when to hold them and when to fold them and when's a good time to compromise and when it's not a good time to compromise and that's why despite the fact that i voted for bernie in the primary i'm not bernie or bust and i easily could be because i live in new york a state 
state that's going to go blue no matter what. But I'm still going to exercise my right to go out and to vote for Hillary because I think voting is important. And that is really where I wanted to come full circle with this, which is why are we doing this segment? Why have we been talking about the RNC? And why have we been talking about Tim Kaine today? And why are we talking about, why am I going to be talking about voting in the next segment? Why? Because voting is important. And that's what you should take away from all of this. You have to, if you want true change, you got to get out there and vote. Staying home, voting for somebody who's never going to get elected, that may make you feel good on principle. And I'm not, if that's what you want to do, by all means, I'm not going to talk you out of it. But like, that's not going to get us anywhere in getting progressive change. So in my thoughts, you have to listen to what Bernie's saying, which is, you know, if, if you really like Bernie, you really cared about Bernie, and you were really part of Bernie's movement, then listen to Bernie right now, because Bernie's guiding you in the right direction. Chad, if, uh, final thoughts, what would you tell, like, that Bernie or bus crew or, or people who live in swing states who are not excited about Tim Kaine and are, are sort of on the fence, really quickly? Welcome to President Trump. <laughs> We've seen it. this before. We saw this with Ralph Nader. I mean, he pulled the, the Susan Sarandon endorsed Ralph Nader, and then she turned around and did the same thing with uh, with Sanders. Where did that get us? That got us eight years of Bush. This whole thing that we're oh well, then if Trump gets in, then we'll have that revolution. And that's what was supposed to happen with W, and it never did. Yeah, and right. three Supreme Court justices to boot. Way the... too much. No, yeah. you you guys are absolutely right. Unfortunately, we do have to bring this discussion to a close. But, you know, as Alyssa said, you know, voting is extremely important. It's something that someone died for just so that I could vote as a woman and as a woman of color. So I think that it's very important for us to exercise that right and to make sure that we're involved in politics. I mean, if you don't like the system or you don't like the players— then we can go after the system. I get that, but it's still in place here, and I do think that the smart, logical thing to do is to make sure we use all of our power, our voices, and every, anything that we can to make sure Trump does not become president. That is, in my opinion, the apocalypse. Um, on that note, we are closing out, but don't go anywhere. Right after this, Alyssa will be coming back to the quickie on Let Your Voice Be Heard. It's back. Gangster rap is back, and so are we. Um, so I'm here to talk about voting because we just ended calling to action, telling you to go out and vote. And I'm here to tell you about how Republicans tried to stop people from voting. And in theory, the people they were trying to stop from voting were, of course, minorities and women and all the people who generally would go out and vote for Democrats because if you can't win, then you cheat, of course. Um, so this week, those voter ID laws, well, at least in three states, were reviewed by courts in Texas, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and they were struck down. Now, depending on the outcome of any appeals or whether or not there will be an appeal before November or whether or not an appeal will be heard before November could have some kind of impact, minor or major, on voting in the presidential election. I'm going to go state by state. It's the easiest way to do it. Um, so the first state that I'm going to talk about is Texas. On Wednesday, the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that Texas's voter ID law violates the U.S. law prohibiting racial discrimination in elections. Um, mind you, this is the Fifth Circuit, which is an extremely conservative court. Uh, yet, nonetheless, they said that this law was unconstitutional. The court affirmed previous rulings that the 2011 voter ID law, which stipulates the type of photo ID election officials can and cannot accept at the polls, does not comply with the Voting Rights Act. The full court's ruling delivered the strongest blow to what is the now viewed as the widely 
uh, widely viewed, sorry, as the nation's strictest voter ID law. Under the law, most citizens... Um, Although some people, like those who had disabilities, could be exempted, must show a handful of types of ID before their ballots could be counted. A state driver's license or ID card, a concealed handgun license, a U.S. passport, a military ID, or a U.S. citizenship certificate with a photo. Funny not including in that is a benefit card or a veteran's ID. Um, Texas is among nine states that require strict photo ID and list only acceptable forms of this ID, um, and those forms is the shortest list. Wednesday's ruling did not immediately halt the voter ID law, that is important to note, which has actually been in effect since 2013. Instead, the judges instructed the lower court to draw up a remedy. It is not clear what the court's remedy might look like. Experts say it is unlikely the court is going to throw out the law completely, uh, but instead they're going to come up with some kind of relief that will give people who have a reasonable impediment to getting ID the chances to get one. What is the... uh, effect it's going to have on the election. Well, as I already said, the court ruled that the law must be changed before the election, but they have not specified how. The judge kicked that decision back down to the district court in Corpus Christi, and that judge will now be in charge of instructing how this law should be temporarily fixed. Um, And so that's what's going on in Texas. Now, moving on to Wisconsin. On Tuesday, which was the day before the Texas ruling, a federal judge in Wisconsin handed down a decision that will drastically weaken the state's voter ID law. Although the decision will leave the law in place as well, it permits voters who are unable to obtain ID to sign an affidavit at the polls to testify, essentially, under oath that they are unable to get a voter ID and for them to get a ballot. The state will not be able to prevent voters from casting a ballot by claiming that they are not able to when a voter says that they don't have an ID. Under Supreme Court precedent, Wisconsin is allowed to enact a voter ID law, but as the judge explained, sorry, I uh, got a little skipped forward here on my computer. Um, As the judge explained, these measures cannot impose, quote, an undue burden on the constitutional right to vote, which is interesting because it's similar language to Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Wisconsin law does, the judge said, especially for low-income and minority residents. The act's strict requirement force voters to go to unreasonable lengths to acquire a voter ID card, compelling them to gather together extensive documentation and to make multiple trips to the government agency. Faced with these obstacles, many poor people and many poor voters are essentially locked out of the voting booth, and that is constitutionally intolerable. The opinion spent a great deal of time explaining some of the obstacles that have prevented individual voters. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time, but for example, uh, one woman did not have a copy of her birth certificate and she was unable to get the birth certificate from the hospital because the hospital had now closed and uh, so she then had to run around and then they wanted to charge her a fee but the constitution does not permit voters to be have to pay money because of poll taxes are illegal uh, so there was all these problems in her actually just being able to get the documents and get the documents for free What's the effect that this is going to have on the election? Well, Judge Adelman's decision provides that any voter who completes and submits an affidavit shall receive a regular ballot, even if that voter does not show acceptable photo ID, and that no person may challenge the sufficiency of the reason given by the voter for failing to obtain the ID. Essentially, everybody's going to be able to vote is the answer to that, at least while this ruling um, is in action. Now, obviously, if 
if there's an appeal, then there could be a stay on this ruling, which would be bad because then the the laws would be going into effect. Um, but because of the way she did the decision, which was smart, sort of a smart way, it's likely that there may not be an appeal because the government say, may say, well, if we appeal it, the whole law may get struck down completely rather than this affidavit ballot remedy. Last but not least, Michigan. This week, a federal judge in Michigan invalidated their state ban on straight party voting. This is a little different. Basically, what they said is if you cast a ballot for the Democrat at the top of the ticket, then you have to vote for Democrats all the way down the ballot and, vi- va- and vice versa. You're not allowed to... Mix and match. Black voters disproportionately use straight party voting. Um, so by eliminating straight party voting, uh, it, then I'm sorry, I think I, I sort of mixed it up. So Michigan only outlawed straight party voting, which allowed voters to cast down the ballot in 2016. And generally speaking, um, so they basically said you can't just vote down the ballot. You can't just vote Democrat down the ballot. You have to, like, mix and match, or you have to select each individual instead of being able to vote down the ballot. Black voters disproportionately use straight party voting. So by eliminating it, it put a bar to black voters being able to cast their votes. Now I have that right. I apologize for stating it wrong at the beginning. The judge ruled that the law disproportionately burdens African Americans' right to vote in violation of the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause because eliminating straight party voting would likely have a large impact on African Americans. American voters that it wouldn't have on other types of voters. Um, so the judge also ruled that the law violated the Voting Rights Act by reducing black voters' opportunity to participate in Michigan's political process. So what is the election effect? Well, it's unknown. It's a broad decision. It may not survive the review process, but we don't know how it's going to get there or when another court may decide. So we don't know yet whether or not they are going to hear this case or decide this case before November, and we have no idea of knowing how it's going to actually affect us in November. Uh, what do we make of all of this. Here's my final comment. Voter fraud is a lie. There is no voter fraud. It's literally a lie. Republicans make it up so they can disenfranchise black and brown voters. The GOP continues to disenfranchise minorities by using this lie because they know black and brown voters vote for Democrats. And like I said, um, they can't get the votes on their own. So instead, they just lie, cheat and try and win that way. And my final thought is the chickens are finally coming home to roost right before an election. Um, But SCOTUS may have the ultimate stay on these voting laws. So, again, elections matter. Get out and vote while you still can. Yes. Thank you so much for that breakdown, Alyssa. (laughs) Very complicated stuff, but we always appreciate you breaking it all the way down. On that note, we do have to say goodbye. But before we do, we want to give a special thanks again to Chad R. McDonald, do not forget the R, uh, for joining us here on the entire show. We always appreciate it. Really it really is my pleasure. I'd love to do it again. And look me up on Facebook on The Good, The Chad, and The Ugly. Definitely will. And you can also look us up at lybbh.com. Of course, that's the acronym for Let Your Voice Be Heard. You can subscribe to us via iTunes at LYVBH Radio. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BeHeard underscore underscore radio so on that note we have to say goodbye but don't worry guys we'll be back here next sunday god willing and yes stanley will be back miss deborah so don't go anywhere we'll be back next sunday up and away y'all should have seen it coming in may we doing 300 records a day